Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine. For 200,000 years, our ancestors counted only one thing at a time. The invention of parallel processing makes it possible for us to count a billion things at once and thus count a billion times faster. This new mathematical knowledge of how to compute faster is a paradigm shift of tectonic proportions. It's called massively parallel processing. Parallel processing is to mathematics what the theory of continental drift is to geology. Parallel processing is to physics what the theory of evolution is to biology. Parallel processing changed the way we look at the computer. In the field of computer science, the quintessential question is this. What is the grand challenge problem for computer science of the 21st century? My answer is this. The hardest challenge in computing is to invent a supercomputer that is several orders of magnitude faster than any existing supercomputer. And more importantly, to use that new supercomputer in a manner that makes the planet a better place for all beings. My contribution to the development of the computer is this. I discovered that by doing many things at once, 108 years on a computer can be speeded up to only one day on a supercomputer. My discovery of how to do many things at once opened the door to the modern supercomputer. My discovery of a new computer that can do many things at once opened the path to a new computer science. I discovered how to solve the toughest problems arising in physics and mathematics and solve them by solving a million problems at once. I invented the supercomputer that is a new internet de facto. For the next generation, their grand challenge will be 
to invent their internet as their planetary-sized supercomputer. How are supercomputers used? The parallel supercomputer of today will become the modern computer of tomorrow. Asking about the usefulness of the supercomputer that is an internet is like asking about the usefulness of the computer and the internet. That's like asking, what will the world be like without the parallel supercomputer? Without the parallel supercomputer, there will be no modern computer. A world without the parallel processing computer is a world in which 99 of the 100 processors inside your computer is turned off and you are programming at only 1% of your computer capacity and perhaps achieving only 1% of your productivity level. A world without the massively parallel supercomputer is a world in which fewer discoveries are made. It's a world in which innovation is slowed down. It's a world in which human progress is slowed down. And it's a world in which the computer of tomorrow cannot be invented today and thus making it impossible for us to create the future. A new supercomputer that cannot parallel process across its one million processors is reduced to the stature of an ordinary computer that is powered by only one processor that is not a member of an ensemble of processors. A new supercomputer that is not parallel processing is like New York City with only one street light on. The parallel supercomputer that will enshroud planet Earth as the internet of the future is where today's science fiction will become tomorrow's non-fiction. That planetary-sized supercomputer hopeful is where humanity's future will take shape. One in ten parallel supercomputers are used to discover and recover otherwise elusive crude oil and natural gas. The remaining nine in ten supercomputers are used to solve real-world problems that are similar to extreme-scale general circulation models that are used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming. The invention of the parallel supercomputer is the biggest advance in physics since Newton Galileo. In the decade of the 1980s, I conducted my parallel processing research alone and I did so because it was a grand challenge problem that was over the heads of others. Inventing the nine new partial differential equations 
that I solved across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 processors was out of the depth of any person whose full-time career was to teach mathematics or physics or computer science. It was clear from the vacant expressions on their faces that my explanations of how I emailed my 64 binary thousand codes and data to and from each of my 65,536 processors was science fiction that went completely way over their heads. In 1989, I was the only full-time programmer of the most massively parallel supercomputer that ever existed. The parallel supercomputer was abandoned for only one reason. Namely, it was over the heads of any of the 25,000 vector processing supercomputer scientists of the 1980s and earlier. Parallel processing increases productivity across gigantic industries from healthcare to transportation to finance to business. It's impossible to construct a realistic physical model of atmospheric and oceanic circulations flowing across the surface of planet Earth. It's possible to conduct an extreme-scaled, high-resolution computational experiment that are parallel processed across an ensemble of millions upon millions of commodity of the shelf processors that shared nothing between each other that we are tightly coupled to each other, that we are identical to each other. Who invented the internet? A discovery or an invention is like the moon. It has two parts, the visible part and the hidden part. For that reason, I am well known, but I am not known well. I'm called a father of the internet because I'm the only father of the internet that invented a new internet. The new internet that I invented was a new global network of processors. Processors that encircled a globe is akin to tiny computers in inverted commas around the earth. I was the first person to theorize and to discover how to solve the toughest problems arising in supercomputing and solve them across that new internet that is a global network of processors that encircled a globe. An invention is something new, such as the massively parallel supercomputer. Prior to my discovery that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, 
the massively parallel supercomputer was not ranked as the fastest supercomputer in the world. My discovery of practical parallel processing changed the course of the computer from computing only within one processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors to synchronously communicating and simultaneously computing across millions upon millions of tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other. I discovered something out of nothing. I broke a scientific dogma when I discovered that there is no limit to the speed up of the parallel supercomputer. The inventor of the parallel supercomputer is the first person to discover an ensemble of processors and to use it to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. I invented the supercomputer as an internet. The new grand challenge is how to invent the internet as a supercomputer. Back in 1974, the year I began to program supercomputers, parallel processing was scorned as a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. A supercomputer occupies the space of a soccer field. The modern supercomputer is a tool that enables the mind to go where the eyes cannot see. Back in 1989, I was in the news headlines because I solved the grand challenge problem of computing. I was the first person to figure out how to harness the supercomputing power of a billion processors with each processor akin to a tiny computer. It was a grand challenge problem because asking a person to become the first programmer of that first massively parallel supercomputer was like asking a man who had never climbed a mountain to climb Mount Everest. I was the first massively parallel processing supercomputer scientist to record the fastest speed in computing. To record the fastest recorded supercomputer speeds and to record them across a new internet that demanded that I visualize my emails as exploding across my new internet. I visualize emails as exploding like bullets out of my eyes. I was asked to describe the Philip M. Aguale formula for inventing the fastest supercomputer that then U.S. President Bill Clinton referred to in his White House speech of August 26, 2000. Back in 1989, the vector processing supercomputer lost its practical merit 
because it became obsolete and it no longer underpins the fastest computer or supercomputer. The starting point of my contribution to the development of the world's fastest computer was the science fiction story about 64,000 human computers communicating and computing together and doing both to solve the grand challenge mathematical problem of extreme scale weather forecasting and do so by mathematically reformulating that tough problem as 64 binary thousand initial boundary value problems. I am the extreme scale computational mathematician that invented the Philip M. Aguale formula that then U.S. President Bill Clinton spoke about. The Philip M. Aguale formula was how I reformulated a grand challenge problem of mathematical and computational physics and reformulated it from a mathematical model on my blackboard to 64 binary thousand computational models that I parallel processed and executed across as many motherboards or processors or computers. I was in the news headlines because I invented practical parallel processing. That invention occurred on the 4th of July 1989 and occurred across a new internet that was outlined by two raised to power 16 commodity processors that I simultaneously harnessed and that encircled a globe as a global network of processors and that encircled that globe in the 16th dimensional mathematical space and that encircled that globe in the manner the internet that is also a global network of computers encircled planet Earth. I was the first person to lecture on the first algorithm for processor to processor processing and solution of real world problems. And I was the first person to present a series of step-by-step -step instructions for solving the toughest problems that the supercomputer attracts. For many years, I helped many research mathematicians, research computational physicists, and research supercomputer scientists, and I helped them to solve difficult problems that they could not solve. None of them even acknowledged me in their grateful thanks list. That lack of acknowledgement is one of many subtle ways the contributions of the black inventor gets discredited. It's one of the ways black inventors get oppressed. It's one of the ways the narrative of black contributions to human knowledge gets erased. After those trials and tribulations, I knew to keep the credit for my discovery of practical parallel processing that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989. Keeping the credit for my invention was simple. 
First, I refuse to immediately teach vector processing supercomputer scientists how to parallel process across an ensemble of 64 binary thousand processors. Second, I only talk to the award committee of the Computer Society of the IEEE that gives the top prize in the field of supercomputing. That supercomputing committee reviewed my discovery of practical parallel processing and did so entirely by interviewing me on the telephone and by long-distance correspondence and did so without knowing that I was black and African. The way I looked at the computer changed at 8.15 in the morning of July 4, 1989. The breakout moment I discovered that the slowest processors in the world could be harnessed and used to solve the toughest scientific problems in the world and used to solve them faster than the fastest supercomputer in the world. In the old way and before my invention, we thought of the supercomputer as computing only one thing at a time and computing that thing with only one vector processor. In my new way, and after my invention, we think of the supercomputer as computing many things at once, and computing those things with millions upon millions of processors that were identical to each other, that were tightly coupled to each other, and that shared nothing between each other. That is, I experimentally discovered how and why the modern supercomputer must compute in parallel in order to simultaneously solve millions upon millions of the most grand challenging problems arising in physics and mathematics instead of solving only one grand challenge problem at a time. After my invention, the number of parallel supercomputers exploded. Before my invention, parallel processing was scorned, ridiculed, and rejected as a beautiful theory that lacked an experimental confirmation. To discover or invent the massively parallel supercomputer is to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. Please allow me to do a retrospective on the supercomputer back in 1974 and today. I began supercomputing on June 20, 1974 and as a 19-year-old at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. As a 19-year-old supercomputer programmer, I felt like a small boy that was in charge of a big ocean liner that turned slowly. At age 19, I was like a mouse crawling inside the supercomputer. By age 34, I had grown into the lion 
that was protecting the supercomputer hopeful that will be massively parallel processing across my ensemble of two raised to power 16 commodity of the shelf processors. The supercomputer is getting bigger each year and now costs the budget of a small nation. One supercomputer costs up to $1.25 billion. If this trend continues, the supercomputer might eventually become as big as planet Earth and as costly as the budget of the United States. The supercomputers that I programmed back in the 1970s and 80s could fit into a small bedroom. When it comes to supercomputing, size matters. Today, the massively parallel supercomputer is such a success story that the modern supercomputer now occupies the space of a soccer field. Supercomputing is big science project that is at the level of the International Space Station. The fastest supercomputer can be at the level of the ITA project that is built in southern France. ITA is the world's largest fusion experiment that is funded by a consortium of 35 nations. ITA is hoped to prove the feasibility of fusion as a source of energy. ITA stands for International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor. The fastest supercomputer of the future could cost as much as the super collider that was built by the European Organization for Nuclear Research called CERN. In the 1980s and earlier, the big question in the world of the supercomputer was this. Can an ensemble of the slowest processors outperform the fastest supercomputer and change the way we look at the modern computer? I answered that grand challenge question by visualizing my parallel supercomputer not as a computer per se, but as a global network of processors that is an internet de facto. I answered that grand challenge question by discovering the supercomputer's inner map and its email GPS. I discovered how millions upon millions of tightly coupled processors must work together as a whole to solve the toughest problems Arising in physics and mathematics, I deciphered the email pathways across one binary million email wires. Knowing that email pathway is a mathematical precondition to executing the fastest supercomputer speeds. That supercomputer quest was my expenditure to the outer limits of algebra 
to the outer limits of calculus and to the outer limits of the computer. The new big question in the world of the supercomputer should be can an ensemble of all the processors in the world be harnessed as one cohesive, seamless, fastest supercomputer and change the way we look at the modern supercomputer? The biggest question in computing is how to invent a cosmic supercomputer that encircles the Earth and that is powered by all the computers on the Earth. You may wonder, what is the answer to that biggest question? My answer is this. If anyone knows the answer to the biggest question in computing, then it wouldn't be an unanswered question. To discover demands that I become reclusive and that I look inwards and go inside and do them with my scientific sixth sense. To discover that my ensemble of two raised to power 16 processors is a new internet demands that I visualize the configurations of its one binary million bidirectional email wires and that I visualize that I visualize my ensemble in the 16th mathematical dimension and that I look into a deep unseen universe that is at the jagged frontier where physics, mathematics and supercomputing meets. The reason Nigeria needs far more research scientists than the United States is that the Nigerian scientific discoverer will be drafted as a soldier in Africa's fight against poverty and for humanity's quest for progress. In supercomputing research, the highest recognition is to contribute new knowledge that makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. Or to invent something such as the parallel supercomputer that is an internet de facto. In the 1970s and 80s, it was a grand challenge to define myself within the social expectation that I could not win the top prize in the field of supercomputing. It was a grand challenge to defy the racial stereotype that I could not solve the grand challenge problem of computing and solve it alone. In 1989, I experienced a severe negative backlash and I was attacked for discovering practical parallel processing and thus for making my contribution to the development of the computer and to mathematical knowledge. The debates about Philip M. Aguale were never about the nine partial differential equations that I invented or about how I figured out how to harness 
the new parallel supercomputer and how to use it to solve grand challenge problems arising in mathematical and computational physics. The debates were about the black inventor, not about his race-neutral invention. We have black mathematicians, but there is no such thing as black mathematics. So the controversy was about the black inventor, not his invention. Solving the toughest problem arising in mathematics is not about making the list of the 10 most intelligent persons that ever lived. As a black inventor, making my invention was an accumulation of the right factors that included making myself invincible and doing so to minimize racial prejudices. As a black and a sub-Saharan African born, born, winning a top scientific prize of the Western world and winning it alone put me in a privileged position that was previously reserved for prominent white scientists such as Albert Einstein. In 1989, if it was known in advance that I was black and born in sub-Saharan Africa, I certainly would not have won the highest award in the field of supercomputing. Back in 1989, many newspapers dropped the story of my discovery of parallel processing and did so after they discovered that I was black and sub-Saharan African. The school is where future scientists learn the stories of scientific discoverers that contributed to human knowledge and that changed the world. A school should de-emphasize the promotion of political and religious figures who did not contribute to the knowledge that is in the school textbook, but should emphasize the promotion of scientific and technological figures that contributed to the knowledge that is in the school textbooks. In Africa, every teenager can name a few pastors or imams, or at least Jesus Christ or Mohammed or the Pope. But it is the rare African teenager that can name a major scientific figure that contributed to the development of the computer that he or she uses every day. In that regard, I was the first African-born scientist that contributed to science that appeared on two Nigerian postage stamps. That should not come as a surprise because the United Kingdom and the United States and every nation in the world has used its postage stamps and or currencies to communicate its contributions to scientific knowledge and to human progress. According to the United Nations, 65 million persecuted refugees 
we are forced to flee from their homes and forced to flee from civil wars and forced to flee from areas that we are afflicted with severe food shortages. For the last three years of the late 1960s, I was a refugee in Biafra, a breakaway nation in the southeastern region of Nigeria. In Biafra, we lived in former classrooms that we are converted into living rooms. For three years, all schools in Biafra were closed and converted into makeshift overcrowded housing and feeding centers for millions upon millions of Biafran refugees. I was a child soldier on the Biafran side of the Nigeria-Biafra war, a war that raged during the last 30 months of the 1960s, a war that was described as Africa's bloodiest war, and a war in which one in 15 Biafrans died. My journey to my invention was a 20-year-long journey that began at a war front in July 1969 and ended 20 years later at the frontier of knowledge on the 4th of July 1989. The turning point in my journey to the frontier of the most massively parallel supercomputer occurred 20 years before my experimental discovery of the massively parallel supercomputer that in turn occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, and occurred in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. In July, 1969, I was conscripted as a 14-year-old soldier, soldier and sent to the Oguta War Front, Iboland, Biafra, West Africa. I was conscripted at gunpoint into a war that was on par with the American Civil War or the Spanish Civil War. I was the youngest soldier at the Oguta War Front, Biafra. That war turned my ancestral hometown of Onicha, Biafra into Africa's bloodiest battlefield. I arrived at the Oguta War Front and arrived a few days after 500 Biafran soldiers fell on the ground. 500 soldiers fell as if they were dry lips. I was conscripted to replace one of the 500 men that died. At the Oguta war front of Biafra, there were more guns than pens. That 30-month-long war ended on July 15, 1970, and ended with the defeat of Biafra. In mid-1968, my postal address was the refugee camp at St. Joseph's Secondary School, Okititi, Biafra. My family of nine lived in a tiny classroom of St. Joseph's Secondary School. In Biafra, West Africa, all schools were closed from June 1967 through early 1970. Schools in Biafra were closed because they were either located at the war front or closed so that refugees like those of us 
that fled from Asaba to Adonicha could live in its classrooms. In Biafra, all school classrooms were reconfigured as living spaces for refugees and soldiers. The refugees at St. Joseph's, at St. Joseph's had no chairs, no tables, no beds. Refugees slept on a mat that was spread across the concrete floor and many slept on bare floors. My father, Nemeka James Emagwale, who was appointed our refugee camp nurse, said that most refugee children, including my youngest brother, had kwashioko. Kwashioko is a nutritional disorder that is caused by the lack of protein. Kwashioko was prevalent in famine-stricken Biafra at St. Joseph's refugee camp. There were days I only ate palm kernels and fried cassava flakes called gare. By mid-1970 and six months after the war has ended, I was still living in refugee quarters along Potakot Road, Fege Onicha, East Central State, Nigeria. Each morning, I took an empty bucket to fetch water from the eastern bank of the River Niger. Potakot Road was a short walk from the banks of the River Niger. Fast forward four years from that refugee quarters in Fege Onicha, I was in Monmouth, Oregon, in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. I'm often asked to describe my scientific struggles. From the 1960s through the 80s, parallel processing was the subject of a titanic battle between the majority who believed that all supercomputers should be powered by a single isolated processor and the minority who believed that all supercomputers should be powered by an ensemble of processors or maybe millions of processors. Countless dismissive statements were made about supercomputing in parallel. That was why only one computational mathematician attended my public lecture on parallel processing that took place in November 1982 in a lecture auditorium that was a short walk from the White House, Washington, D.C. I'm often asked to explain how I invented a new supercomputer. Making a technological invention demands an intercourse between the sciences and demands the exchange of fluids, or rather the exchange of knowledge. That exchange is a necessary condition to making a scientific discovery. Scientific babies or new discoveries come from a respectful and joyous exchange of fluids. For me, Philip Emma Aguale, 
That exchange of new knowledge occurred at the crossroad where physics, mathematics, and computer science met and occurred on my Eureka moment of 8.15 in the morning of the 4th of July, 1989. That crossroad was where I made the invention that opened new possibilities in supercomputing. The nine Philip M. Aguali equations are my contributions to calculus. Back in 1970, at age 16, at Christ King College, Onicha, East Central State, Nigeria, everybody knew me by my nickname, Calculus, and nobody knew my real name, Philip Emma Aguale. Calculus is a tool that enables the mind to go where the eyes cannot see. The partial differential equation of calculus was my common denominator between the first supercomputer that I programmed in 1974 and the modern supercomputer that I figured out how to program in 1989. Between the ancient laws of physics and the modern laws of computing, the partial differential equation of calculus is the pink elephant in the room. In supercomputing, calculus is the uncle nobody in the family wants to talk about. In a literal sense, and as a research mathematician, calculus is my mother tongue, not the Igbo language that my mother spoke. I have written a million pages on the partial differential equations of calculus and written them from my blackboard to my motherboard and across my two raised to power 16 commodity off the shelf processors that were tightly coupled to each other. I also invented algorithms that I used to solve the toughest problems in calculus. In contrast, I cannot write a letter in my ancestral Igbo language. Parallel processing is a disruptive technology that displays sequential processing, a technology that in turn established itself for half a century. Searching for the parallel process solution to the toughest problem arising in calculus and physics was like searching for a black goat at night. My scientific journey to the farthest frontier of technological knowledge and my quest for the fastest supercomputer that is a new internet was a mathematical journey from fiction to fact. To forecast. The fastest supercomputer is where humanity's future takes shape. The computer is the greatest invention since fire. The modern supercomputer is the greatest invention in computational physics. I believe that we are witnessing a technological change of tectonic proportion. Of course, every citizen scientist had discovered 
or seen something that nobody else had previously seen. But those citizen scientists will not be rewarded with the immortality of Isaac Newton and Galileo Galilei. They will be rewarded if and only if they discovered something that is both groundbreaking and paradigm shifting. The contribution to human knowledge that makes the news headlines has to be a groundbreaking invention like a new computer or a new internet or the cellular phone and has to be something that is used every day and used by everyone and studied by school children for hopefully the next 1,000 years. This is difficult because many people don't think beyond their 100th birthday. I was asked, what were the religious influences or your contributions to science? My family had eclectic religious belief. We the children were Christians. My mother was an animist but proclaims to be a baptized Christian. And my father was an animist who was baptized and trained in Christian schools, but only claims to be a mystic of the, Rosic of the Rosicrucian order. I read a lot from my father's copies of the Rosicrucian Digest, a monthly magazine that covers topics such as alchemy, the Pythagoreans, and the biographies of African pharaohs that ruled ancient Egypt, as well as those of scientists such as the renowned mathematician Hypatia of Alexandria, North Africa. I was the first person to witness the transition from the computer that solved one problem at a time to the modern computer that solves many problems at once. The first programmable computer was invented in 1946. That first supercomputer weighed over 30, over 30 tons or 60,000 pounds or the weight of 400 persons that each weighed 150 pounds. That first supercomputer had about 18,000 vacuum tubes that supercomputer was outdated the following year with the invention of the transistor in 1947. The integrated circuit was invented 11 years later in 1958. Since 1946, the supercomputer burned in the sky like the sun. 31 years after the integrated circuit was, was invented and on the 4th of July 1989, I became the first person to discover that an ensemble of the slowest processors in the world can work together to compute faster than any supercomputer. That discovery inspired the development of the modern supercomputer that massively parallel processes 
to solve the toughest problems arising in STEM fields. The parallel supercomputer is to physics and mathematics what the telescope is to astronomy or the microscope is to biology. The parallel supercomputer was science fiction to Albert Einstein, who presumably read about it, but as a futuristic technology, and read about it in his local newspaper, namely the January 11, 1946 issue of the New York Times, that reported on how 100 computers could forecast the weather all over the world. That New York Times article suggested that in the future, and I quote, the United States would be divided into blocks penetrating into the stratosphere. End of quote. Fast forward 43 years to the 4th of July 1989, I discovered how to divide the United States into 64 binary thousand blocks, each penetrating into the stratosphere. I invented how to achieve a one-problem-to-one-processor mapping between those blocks and between as many tightly coupled processors. I discovered how to reduce 64 binary thousand days or 180 years of computing to merely one day of supercomputing. I discovered a new way of thinking about the new fastest supercomputer and about the supercomputer of tomorrow, not as a computer per se, but as a global network of processors that we are identical to each other, that we are tightly coupled to each other, that shared nothing between each other, that is a virtual supercomputer de facto. The invention of a faster supercomputer is a milestone of human progress. It made some impossible to solve problems arising in physics, algebra, and calculus possible to solve. Thank you. Insightful and brilliant lecture. Insightful and brilliant lecture.